conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code andysgirls at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. 
That's mylifeinabook.com with code ANDYSGIRLS for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. There may have been 200, but I'm still number one. 200 episodes in, and I'm still 200. Thousand feet from stardom. (laughs) That was good. That was a thinker, which I love. I love a think. I Uh love this uh is uh this is the episode for thinking and reflection. You guys, it's Andy's girls, episode two hundred, and that feels wild to me like literally wild and I of course had to have none other but OG of the AG co-host of the podcast you might know her from and senior producer at VH1 Damien Bellino here to celebrate this wonderful wonderful occasion can I say I'm really honored to be here I know we texted a little bit about this but you know I had just I was just on recently and then you were like hey are you good to record 200 and I was like oh I didn't know it was happening like I didn't know I'm so honored like I I'm so honored that you're having me here and also so um, proud that Andy's Girls is still going. I listened to a bit of our first episode and I was like, the way we're talking, it's like, do you think that there are production <laughs> favorites like Vicky Gunvalson? And, and you're like, I do. I think it. And like, we're like, what? Like the, the, obviously talking about this shit regularly on the pod, we have developed a shorthand that is like so organic I think now but Mm -hmm. it was so funny to hear like baby us I mean god we were like 14 doing like like, theorizing about like production and like oh is there is Vicky Andy's favorite from OC and it's like what why are we talking like this um Yes. I mean, first off, of course you had to come back Thank for 200. You. Like, regardless of whenever you were on. Any kind of anniversary memory memoir, I, we have to have the OGs of the AG reunited. And I did just listen to the first episode of Andy's Girls. I actually did like a papa body out, which I have to do and sing song. Um, <laughs> and shout out to VH1. But I I recorded a live reaction as I listened to the first episode for Patreon, which is up now, you guys. And it was wild. I mean, I was like 10 minutes in and saying are we going to introduce ourselves? <laughs> literally, it was literally like 10 things I love about Bethany for like 45 minutes. It's, it's just so, and you can hear us. Cause remember when we started AG and we would like drink every episode. I'm, also we like, had, I'm like, I know you were chewing, <laughs> which I discovered a couple minutes in and was like, absolutely not. But, um, we used to drink at the beginning of each episode, and then we, at one point, were attempting to make it, like, themed. Like, we would get different housewife. Mm-hmm. We would do cocktails and, like, name them after housewives or do different we, like, would uh, buy their housewife different drinks. Brands. Yeah. yeah, like, you spent, I still remember, didn't you spend $35 on Lisa Vanderpump's I, like, got sangria, it at, uh, I want to say? Buca de Bless, bless Dorit and Lisa Vanderpump's involvement with Buca de Beppo. Um, yeah, it was the only place that carried it in New York City. So I was mm-hmm. on a mission. Yeah, it was so funny to to listen to it. Also, you know, I love us, but we are both quiet, which is like the thing I would never use to describe either one of us. I was like, why mm-hmm. are we so quiet? We're both like, 
do you think Carol is also? <laughs> and I'm like, Carol like is one of those women who like likes hanging out with guys. It's <laughs> like, what am I saying? It was cool. It was very cool and weird. It felt also. It, I remember I was transported to the that conversation. I remember you telling me how you were like in a meeting when Brooks, like when Brooks's yes. like cancer di- like non diagnosis came out, and you like talked about it. And I mean, I was like, oh, I felt I remember that exact moment of you telling me that story, but also that it feels like a hundred years ago. I remember the exact conference room I was in. I was with like senior people. I started saying that while I was like recording, while I was listening, because I remember that exact moment where I was like, okay, guys, we just need to like stop for a second because like, I don't even remember how I introduced it into conversation. It's so, it was so wildly unrelated to nothing I do work related is, well, actually there has been a little crossover with, with event production and housewives, but with this specific kind of event and like the topics being discussed, I don't know how I was able to loop <laughs> that into Convo. But um Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. And it was just so interesting listening to it because I thought it was going to be, you know, like obviously you know this, but AG isn't a recap show, but I wasn't sure if the first episode had a tinge of recap to it but it really didn't feel like it did it really feels like from the start this has truly been stream of consciousness conversation like we were talking about housewives events that were that had occurred several years prior to us recording nearly five years ago I mean it's it's interesting that while I think our conversation has gotten more nuanced mm-hmm. and maybe the like framework of our episodes have gotten ha- have deepened with time. Um, God forbid we say age. Shout out Ramona. I I think it's it was interesting to me that um, there did appear to be a framework, albeit one that I I hadn't really thought of before we started recording that was in effect for our like pilot podcast. Yeah, I think I, it's, I mean, obviously it is the great thing that you, the, that you continue to carry on with Andy's girls is that it's just like talk. Like I, I always love that I can come here and I never feel like I have to like write down questions mm-hmm. I have for you or like thoughts because I like, I have my emotional reaction to watching the episodes and how I think about the women. But then it's always like, also, like in that episode, we were talking about how much we both loved Erica Jane, and I was like, "Wow!" Oh my god! We're yeah, both like Erica well. Jane is perfect. The moment, <laughs> and I was like, "That doesn't even sound like either of us." Um, but I like that there's always like tangents, and there's always like, "Oh, did you read this new like the or this is like this on that franchise from a hundred years ago?" Like I love mm-hmm. that. That's always what Andy's girls has been, and obviously it has evolved. And I think you're right, been become more nuanced. But I, it's always like nice to just come in. I talk, think about this shit or when I watch it, you know, I just have an emotional reaction Mm -hmm. to watching these women. And I always tell people when they're like new to AG, you know, that it's stream of consciousness. I I try not to do um, a big edit relating to the actual conversation itself. I mean, that's happened like a number of times, meaning maybe five times or around there in the course of 200 episodes, which just goes to show like the trust between people when we're talking and the fact that like you don't necessarily need to prepare anything. Ideally, people have watched the episodes of The Housewives airing and sometimes that most of the time that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But you the hope is that people feel comfortable enough and welcome enough to open up and be vulnerable so that it is truly a conversation because that's where 
I find just personal delight. I just want to talk with people and hear someone else's experience and how that plays into their perception and feelings about what they're watching on Bravo TV. Like that is what's interesting to me at the end of the day. And so I'm just so appreciative that, you know, 200 eps in, we still have so much more to say. Yeah. So congratulations to you. And also like kudos to you because I think that people know that, like people know that that's what the show is now. I think because it has a following that comes to hear those types of conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, there are podcasts, Bravo centric podcasts where they talk about each episode in particular or where the people sort of are like in the majority opinion about maybe how people are feeling like we're both team Bethany right. or whatever. Which is great. Which is those, great. Are great. those are great. Yeah, those are great. Have, those but are great. I think that you have, you know, cultivated something here, curated something where you have great guests on and also that like you allow people to like there's disagreements. I mean, at least in our episode, there's disagreements. And <laughs> I was like, I went to walk with a friend um, the other day in the cold and she was like, my roommate was just like, I didn't realize your friend Damien is Damien, Damien from Andy's Girls, Damien. And I was like, wait, and I like didn't understand what she was saying. I was like, what? And she was like, like you're on a podcast with about housewives sometimes. And I was like, oh yeah, great. So congratulations, Sarah Galley. Um, it's, it's great. And I also great, like you have a Patreon that also you like you, this is a job and oh. you, you do, you have a job that you're like producing great content for people. So congratulations and subscribe to her Patreon. Thank you for shouting out my Patreon, the number one way and, by the way, only way that I'm uh, currently getting in a word that I'm not going to use that's similar to income because I feel like maybe that will help me when we file taxes shortly for 2020. Um, Yeah, and it's just – I just have to say that, like, there have been other podcasts that have – uh, been inspired by AG and stepping into this world of really talking about our own experiences through Housewives. And I'm just really proud of what you and I created together, which really was, and I think still remains a very original and different and dynamic look at Bravo and, you know, the psychology behind the behavior of these crazy women that we love to watch on TV. And also the fact that like, as AG has matured, as I have grown in the last five years and changed as hopefully folks do over time, I think what I'm most proud of is hearing from people who have listened to AG from the start or who are new Andy's Girls listeners who feel like this is a safe space in which to present an opinion or discuss an experience or share something from their lives that they haven't necessarily shared with others or, you know, just open up in any way. I'm just so appreciative of the AGs because I feel like the Andy's Girls community is really special. And I've said that on previous episodes, and I just want to shout out all the listeners because there is something really that I honestly feel like feels like sets apart Andy's Girls listeners from other listeners of other podcasts, even within the Bravo community, where it can become kind of toxic. And I have seen that taken place online and I'm like oh like that's sometimes I feel like I I wish this is so selfish of me but sometimes I feel like I wish there was some sort of like 
manual to watching housewives or discussing it online where it's like, wait, let's not, let's not go to that. Let's not go to that dark spot because we don't know these women. We haven't, even if we've met them, interacted with them, you don't truly know these women that you're watching on screen. But I do feel like we've developed relationships with each other. And I just want to share just a little bit of gratitude to the listeners who get that and who also understand that, you know, like our opinions about Erica Jane may change, but even if you don't agree with something that's being expressed, you are still open to listening to that opinion. And also to the idea that, you know, if I say something and I fuck up or I say something that I regret later, that we give ourselves the capacity and the space to grow without shaming each other. And I think of that a little bit because I just watched It's a Sin. Have you watched It's a Sin? Oh, my God. It's on HBO. I'm like fucking dying for just everything on HBO Max. But it's done by it's a limited series done by Russell T. Davies, who also wrote Years and Years, which is one of the best limited series that I've ever seen. And It's a Sin is about the um, advent of the AIDS crisis through the perspective of a group of friends living in um, the UK. And it's incredibly powerful and beautifully done and there's a moment where a cast member a character rather is talking about the use of shame and the power and devastation that shame can bring as a tool of destruction and harm and the idea that when you try to shame someone you are attacking the very center of their core you are trying to tell them that the person that they are or the person that they appear to be is wrong and should feel bad and should feel pain and deserves that. And it was incredibly, um, spoiler alert. No, that's not really spoiler. It was incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. I was like sobbing. And I just think like when I think about Andy's girls, because we're talking about the 200th episode, just circling back. I think about the idea that hopefully when we're having these kinds of conversations and we're talking about things and we can talk about, we talked about really serious topics on AG. My hope and goal is that we're doing it in an environment where we don't have a vested interest or desire and don't exhibit behaviors of genuinely shaming each other because like we can joke and you know like team v team kyle versus kim you know yeah. <laughs> different feelings and like we can get into it and we've had like heated debates on ag and off about housewives and i think that that's great but we don't do it and the the goal isn't to do it in a way to make someone feel bad and there have been shades of that that I have seen that I think a lot of Bravo content creators have seen in the last year, couple years, really in the last year that have made a lot of us uncomfortable. And I just have to say that maybe the number one thing that I'm proud of with Andy's Girls is that this is an environment where regardless of how we feel about opinions about some of these women and their behaviors and whatever else, we aren't trying to shame each other as a result. And it is a safe space, hopefully, where you don't feel like you're going to be 
challenged or made fun of because of your sexual identity, race, economic status, um, ethnicity, uh, you know, perception of uh, challenges related to whatever you are going through in your life that this is a space where hopefully you feel comfortable talking about it and not feeling targeted because of it. Yeah. And so I just want to say in a very long winded way, watch it's a sit on HBO Max. It's very good. And um, thank you because that isn't something that happens because like I say, Oh, this is a safe space. It, like it comes from actual exhibited human behavior. And that is because of the AGs who send in satchels who have, you know, continued dialogue online. And, and I just am really appreciative. I just, I think that's like the number one thing that I'm most proud of, honestly, at the end of the day. That's beautiful. Well, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm a beauty. I am in a Springsteen hoodie, which I wear 24 seven. Do you like love blame Bruce Springsteen? Is that like a thing? Here's the thing with Bruce Springsteen. I don't think that I really appreciated him. Although if it's like a Springsteen, you know, Bon Jovi or whomever, or like Springsteen, who's like a contemporary of Springsteen that would make sense. Uh, like to Dave compare Matthews? Billy Joel. Man. No, not can, Oh, you mean like a- <laughs> Like an equal person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe Billy Billy Joel Joel or something. Is a good example. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, like I was raised on, uh, I guess Springsteen. Yeah, Springsteen and like the Carpenters and Motown and like, shout out like great classic music and started dating someone who was like very into Springsteen and I went to a Springsteen concert with him in New Jersey when we were dating 150 years ago, and bought a hoodie that is just like the most comfortable sweatshirt I've ever had. And actually, just thinking about that moment, it was a fantastic concert. If you can see Springsteen live, and we will go back to live concerts, I swear to God it's going to happen. It He is, like, one of the performers to see. The concerts are 17 and a half hours long. They're so good. Everyone's super into it. And I do remember this was, like, I want to say eight years ago. We went to this concert in New Jersey, and we're – exiting the venue to like get back to a fucking bus to come back to New York and I did see Kim D yelling at a cop <gasps> oh, and I, I love that felt it, all came it back. was wonderful it's all come back it all comes back and I don't want to say like Bruce like that wasn't like the best part of the <laughs> night like I don't want to like Bruce if you're listening but I do have to say it was like tied with Bruce like Kim D in and she looked she looked elevated, shall we say? Oh, okay. I was not what I was expecting you to say. Yeah, I think um she got a little. She was a little elevated. Her uh, personality. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got she it. was a little. I thought you meant she like looked like her no, style was elevated. No, definitely not. <laughs> nope. There was like a little je ne sais quoi yeah. about her. Got it. And just watching her scream at a police, a uniformed police officer, for God knows what. Like good for her. I have, it was very Alec Baldwin vibes of like someone has a temper and they feel like now's the time to express it. It was fa- it was it was honestly fascinating. Anyway, um Damien, listen, we could talk about how much we love each other all day. <laughs> and I would love that. But there has been so much happening. Oh my god, so many episodes, so much happening in the world. 
first off, I was bitching to you yesterday about the fact that I had to watch rewatch rather three episodes of Housewives. And I was like, it's too much. I need two a week because there's so much to unpack and I want to like give equal weight or whatever or be able to focus on different stuff. And you were like, um, JK, they're four. And I had a hundred percent forgotten about, I want to say Dallas. Like I didn't. I forgot Jersey had premiered and you were like, Jersey's Jersey and Salt Lake City you have to watch again or something and I was like also Dallas and you were like I forgot about Dallas <laughs> but then I just watch, I like I'm fresh off watching da- just Dallas like that's the one I watched moments before I joined this zoom and I was actually excited because I felt like there was weird there was production stuff going on so it made me interested you know what? It was the first episode of Dallas where I didn't feel dirty watching, where I was like, oh, I feel like I'm watching a housewife show and not a what not to do as a person living in society. You know, mm. like I wasn't distracted by the stuff that has made me feel very uncomfortable when it comes to how, you know, the brandy of it all was handled during the premiere and also the introduction of Dr. Tiffany Moon. I felt like we have now at, at least been able to settle into a dynamic in an episode where I was like able to watch it and enjoy a lot of it. Yeah, because last the week prior, if I'm not mistaken, the week prior, I was a little bit concerned because there was like Tiffany was like weird about that party. And then she mm-hmm. and then like Brandy, JK ate, ate crickets and then vomited. And I was like, this is I was I was concerned that like the conflict was going to be like everybody versus Tiffany and Deandra. And I was like, that's not the look I want to watch. Like, I don't want to watch mm-hmm. everybody attack the new girl who's clearly like the smartest and best person on the show of at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And then I felt like this week I was like, oh, the fight of like the season, like the it's is Carrie versus Deandra. And that is I actually am interested in that because I think <laughs> we're both just staring at each other. I think that. Carrie's to me and you I know that we are both I mean I don't want to speak for you but I feel like Carrie seems terrible go for it um yeah Carrie no seems, you can speak for Carrie me. Yeah, seems 100%. terrible um and she does seem like really harsh to Deandra but I think that that's who Carrie has always been and I think that Deandra thought that was like a hoot last season when Carrie was an asshole to Leanne at every possible moment because it was mm-hmm. funny because Deandra and Leanne were having their falling out and it was like an ally for Deandra but now that Carrie has become close friends with Stephanie and I guess Brandy, Deandra feels alienated because she is now the like. And Carrie might be that person who is really fun and actually a good friend, but always needs to be sort of like ribbing somebody to have a good time, which I've been that friend. I've been on the other end of that type of friendship where like mm-hmm. your friendship is sort of like rooted in like teasing and also like borderline meanness. I think that that was like I know a lot of people that, and myself that were like that in their 20s that was like. Actually, it's Mm -hmm. not fun to be friends with people when you're always being mean to each other and, like, talking kind of, like, about each other behind their backs. Like, that's not friendship. And it also, like, that doesn't have to be, like, your sense of humor doesn't need to be, like, being, quote, unquote, like, mean to be funny. I think Mm -hmm. that Carrie, I'm like, I think, like, why is Stephanie friends with you? Like, I'm kind of over Stephanie and Brandy, not in Cameron, I guess. She's an alien. But, like, I'm confused by the dynamic. Like, why everyone was, like, on Carrie's side. And I was like, is she great, but the show doesn't, do her any favors because everyone is acting like Deandra is being a jerk at this cocktail hour dinner. But I also was like, but Carrie has been awful to Deandra. And there obviously is like back and forth. Like I think Deandra saying like, 
you have two, your kids are all grown up like you have nothing to worry about and and Carrie being like you have no idea what my family is going through like that's a valid like Carrie's who does like Deandra was out of line in my opinion there because like yeah maybe Carrie didn't want to tell her about her kids you know stuff that they were going through and that I don't know just because you're not like wearing your family drama on your sleeve doesn't mean that like you don't have stuff but I don't know. I'm sort of going on a rant that's not making a lot of sense, but I just like I'm invested in this in this friendship and the fallout of it and I I don't know. I don't know who Carrie is. Like I can't figure out if like the show is makes her worse than she maybe is in IRL based on her friendships with all of these women. I wonder, you know, there was that moment at the end where Deandra's like she's a bully or Dr. Tiffany is like she's a bully and then everyone else was sort of hedging their bets and I wonder if they had said Carrie targets Deandra. Carrie is reactive. Another word that wasn't bullying, because I think for the women, the use of the word bullying has been so um, overused on housewives and also politicized on housewives that they have been they may have been more open to that to a different kind of conversation or rather a different response to that conversation. If a different term had been used that still described Carrie's behavior but wasn't using like the literal term bullying or if maybe that word just gave them an out because they didn't want to step up and say like yeah the way that Carrie has behaved toward Deandra is wrong I mean uh, uh, Stephanie saying uh, well you know she's been crying she's Carrie's been crying she's really upset for me was like who cares if Carrie has been crying it doesn't feel like it doesn't invalidate Deandra's right. feelings also because uh, I think actually I, w- I wish I could remember the exact quote, but I actually think that like Tiffany, when Deandra went inside, Tiffany said something like she's really upset. Like she has a lot mm-hmm. going on. And Carrie was like, well, I'm more upset and I have more going on. And, I, and then someone, I think maybe Tiffany was like, well, it's not a competition. But I think that mm-hmm. that is the issue is like, yes, you can feel mad. You can feel like she's a shitty friend. Like also it doesn't feel good to hear your friends talking about you behind your back like in earshot that doesn't feel good Mm -hmm. but also she's allowed to she's entitled to her feelings the way that you're entitled to your yours and I was in what I thought was interesting about the episode was I think when a housewife like removes themselves from a situation it's like some of the most real life stuff that you can do because it to me it's Mm -hmm. like Deandra being like I'm gonna lose this day of filming or I'm not gonna be in this that much of this episode because I'm going home to me was like and who knows if she actually goes home but the way they edited it edited the episode the way it ended made me be like is she really gonna leave and go home and see her husband it seems like she's like checking out and to me that's the most interesting thing because it means I'm actually would rather for my own sanity be out of this situation than to like be on the show and get have a moment on camera because that's like real people remove themselves from conflict or they have the conflict and then they leave but like you don't stay around people who are triggering you and causing conflict and being nasty to you so I was into it because I was like Deandra's like at a breaking point like something is happening in this dynamic but all of the other women I guess and sort of instead of Tiffany are like not on Deandra's side or they are like not choosing to interfere or mediate in a way that made me think like but I I feel like there's something we're not getting I feel like maybe Carrie's really abrasive on camera and what we see but like in the room you're like oh she's a good time girl and like she yeah she's like a straight talker that's all like a lot but I just was like what is the deal because I don't know. I just, or like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I was into Deandra being like, I'm leaving. And I was like, yeah, leave. Don't get paid for this episode. 
<laughs> I feel like Deandra was more likable in that moment and in that episode than she ever has been before. I thought Deandra, this is so shocking to say, but I feel like this season, also because of her friendship with Tiffany and the ways in which she's been able to, mm-hmm. I don't want to say voice of reason, but for lack of a better term, I feel like she has been like one of the few, like in times where I wish that Cameron would be a human or that Stephanie would actually mm. speak up in the room opposed to in a confessional. Deandra has been like, ladies, mm-hmm be kinder to Tiffany or like ladies she's new to this group give her a, a break or like ladies she's a fucking doctor during a global pandemic like listen we all everyone has stuff but like that is a big thing and like take take a minute I feel like she has been the voice of quote-unquote voice of reason in a lot of scenarios this season and it's made me been like I'm kind of, like I'm rooting for her in this situation but I was confused why everyone else was like Deandra don't leave Carrie's not a bully though and I was like wait what she was so mean at Brandy's birthday party about like the fucking you don't have a wine key and there's no ice and like it's not air conditioning in the bus. And I was like, you're a jerk. It does feel like there's some sort of comparison that could be made between some of the ro- friendship hemming and hawing on Salt Lake City and on Dallas, because I watch how Lisa seemed horrified and triggered about Heather trying to put pressure on accountability for friends who are behaving in a toxic manner where it's like, I look at Heather who is saying to Lisa, essentially, why don't you believe in boundaries? Like there are ways in which people go too far and they need to be held accountable and your love for them should inspire you to tell them that their behavior is wrong. And I look at what happened on Dallas and it Mm. felt like a lot of these women we're confusing the idea of boundaries with not being a good friend, which is not the case. I mean, like it's you have to be a friend to yourself first before you can be a friend to other people. And if someone is behaving poorly to you and making fun of you or targeting you or acting in a manner that's disrespectful, you deserve and owe it to yourself to attempt to hold them accountable or more importantly just set a boundary for yourself that like it's not necessarily your job to teach them to be a better friend but it is your responsibility as a person to understand that that kind of behavior toward you is unacceptable and will not be accepted further if it had been in the past and the women on Dallas it appeared like seemed to be saying to Deandra and Tiffany We love her. She seems hurt. So we feel like we have to defend her behavior or gaslight it or pretend it didn't exist because that's what friendship currently means to us. And with Jen on Salt Lake City, she's like, I'm not going to let this person go. I believe that, you know, like you don't just throw someone away when the conversation is really if someone is harming you set a boundary for yourself and at least respect a boundary your friend has set. Okay. Well, I can talk about Lisa Barlow and her performance at the reunion for a good hour and a half, but if I can interject to talk about the Dallas thing, which I I agree with you, I think that they are, they're like confusing holding a friend accountable with being a bad friend, being a bad friend to your, to your bad friend. And yes, I agree. Um, I I feel like they're taking Deandra calling Carrie's me, like the way she feels about the way Carrie's treating her as, yeah, that she, they're like, well, you're not being sensitive to what Carrie's going through. And it's like, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't 
that does not like that absolve her does not mm-hmm. she doesn't we don't live in a vacuum you don't get to have a bad thing happen and then be a jerk to everybody you know what i mean like mm-hmm. we can be we can offer you grace in these moments but that doesn't mean that you can just be a jerk to everybody and we say like oh you're going through something um i have to say i love tiffany um but when she started crying this was the one i was excited to talk to you about and be on andy's girls today when she started crying and she was like sorry uh this is reminding me of my friends and i'm crying for you guys but also it's reminding me of my my parents parents, and so i'm crying for you my my, i don't like to see my friends fight so i'm crying for you but i'm also crying for me and all the ladies were like uh and i was sort of like oh this is like not a great look but then i was reminded of Garcelle needing to remove herself in Beverly Hill um, from the trip in Rome. Is that where they were, Rome? When she was like, it was like the last leg of the Rome trip and everyone was coming for Denise one last time. Like she had just come Mm -hmm. back in and everyone was like, we need to talk about, and Denise was like, no. And Garcelle was like, I'm sorry, I need to go. And like, like, I'm sorry, I need a minute. And like left and then came back and was like, sorry, I miss my kids. And And it was like a weird moment. And I was like, Tiffany in that moment reminded me of Garcelle in that moment, which is to say, when you're like drinking so much, traveling away from your family, and your new job is that you are around conflict on camera mm. all the time, I think it like becomes overwhelming. And there's actually like those moments reminded me of each other because I thought both were weird, but I feel like mm-hmm. it's actually the show getting to the women. And I felt like Tiffany was like, maybe she was triggered and it thought of, it reminded her of her parents, but also it's like, I don't want to watch these two. This isn't fun to watch two women that I don't know that well just scream at each other. And I'm like drunk. Like I don't have all of my like whatever, you know, wherewithal. And it's like, and I'm like not with any of my actual people. My husband and my kids aren't here. Like, and I was like, oh, that felt, it was like not cute to me. But then I was like, but it feels real. It's like really that I think like that first year of like, this is now one of my jobs is to actually like engage in this conversation. And I don't want to. And I feel like you have to work against your own instinct. My instinct would be to leave that immediate. I would disengage like a motherfucker. I don't want to be a present for that. I don't want. It's like obvious toxic energy. It's women screaming at each other. I would not IRL if that filming was taking place and I had had some champs and I had traveled and it's the middle of COVID. So how many opportunities if you're behaving uh, responsibly, do you have to even be around friends, IRL, let alone coworkers who you don't have a relationship with many of whom have already treated you like shit. Like there's a lot of different pressure on a person and you know this is being filmed for reality TV where it's a very specific kind of show where you know your behaviors, responses, silence, or voice are going to be picked apart. There's a lot there. Well, and I think we've seen women not engage, like Erica and Meredith, and how it's like really fun in the beginning, but then it's not fun when they refuse to play the game. And then we've also seen people, like, I think my reaction to that, like, if I see Carrie and Deandra fighting, you know, I root for an underdog. So I feel like I would be like, Carrie, shut the fuck up. And then I would Mm -hmm. be red in the face and I would be super aggressive and reactionary. And that could make for great TV, but, like, might not be how I really wanted to respond to an argument that had nothing to do with me. But, like, when Mm -hmm. you're sitting in it. So I think that... And after, like, I sat with it, I was like, okay, now I'm kind of into this moment of Tiffany, like, breaking. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, I wish this show would t- could talk break the fourth wall more because I think that it's, like, some of the most fun stuff is seeing moments like that. But I, when it's framed as, like, a, sorry, I don't want to watch my friends fight. And it's like, no, you're crying because this is a miserable job and you're a fucking doctor and you're like, oh, my God, this is a lot right now. 
you know what I don't understand that I would like for someone to explain to me and that person is Stephanie? <laughs> it appears that Stephanie and Dr. Tiffany Moon are like pals IRL. They've been hanging out. They seem to be doing well in their friendship with each other. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be by the reunion. Well, that's – that's this is what I don't understand because I'm watching these episodes play out and it feels like at times Stephanie makes swipes at Dr. Tiffany Moon that – are completely unnecessary that also feel like they're very different from the character of the Stephanie that I've seen for several seasons. And I don't understand where this energy is coming from. And then I watch them like chilling on Instagram stories when they go grab tea. And I love that for them. I want them. I genuinely want them to be friends, but I don't understand where this like negative energy from Stephanie's end is coming on, uh, is coming from, or has been edited to a, Appear that it's coming from and like how that will play out as the season goes on yeah I totally agree it's actually not something I I totally recognize it and I'm like agreeing with you but I didn't think about it in such a salient like it wasn't a salient point that you're making and I think that with the loss of Leanne Stephanie Mm. operates a new role on this show like she has sort Mm -hmm. of been for a Greek chorus she's sort of the voice of reason but now she's sort of like being the like quick talking like funny confessional person Mm -hmm. and that's never been the Stephanie we know but also to me I've been really disappointed in her in her in like group scenarios in the ways that she's sort of never been a part of the conflict she never really speaks up in any of the arguments that have happened to date um like she was totally like let Brandy get get a pass and didn't we didn't see her hold her accountable at all and like that was not great um, and all of like the chicken feet stuff. And then at watch what happens. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. She talked about like her closet. She's just had like little mm-hmm. digs. And I'm like, I think that is it production or is it like Stephanie having new, you know, we always talk about that X season where the housewife gets maybe like confident or starts to listen to like what mm-hmm. their like gaggle is telling them. And then it's like, I don't want Stephanie to become annoying. Like I want you to continue to be relatable and, the person you've been but are you like a producer's telling you to like have more fun in your confessionals are you deciding that you're like the star of the show now so you're getting a little more free like I don't know what it is but I think on Atlanta is a is a is a particular um franchise and I think Potomac in a lot of ways as well where they are like kind of nasty nasty nice in confessionals and it's like mm-hmm. forgiven but I think a lot of the other franchises where it's like predominantly white women people will be like, you were really mean in your confessionals and I thought we were friends. So I will be interested to see what the dynamic between them will be like once the entire season has aired. If like Tiffany will be like, oh yeah, Stephanie was having fun and we've talked about some of that stuff already and like we're cool. Or if it will be like, me and Stephanie were cool, but then I saw all the shit she talked in confessionals and I'm sort of like, are we cool? So I will be interested to see what that is at the end of this season. I think the women on Atlanta are more are, are more honest. Yes. And like on Dallas, I'm just trying to understand because I do love Stephanie. I still love her. And I also understand that for those of us who have like exalted her as some sort of angel of God or something, for that's not sustainable. Totally. And it is a good thing for people to be revealed as complicated. Like I don't begrudge her for having a difference of opinion or for behaving in a way that's different from how I would. I actually appreciate that because then I'm like, okay, this is like a multi-layered person who is yeah. complicated and uh, may behave differently than I would. And I am interested to see that because that feels 
honest to me. It's just that I don't get what her intention is in some of this. Like it doesn't feel it's one thing if she's like genuinely being honest about this and I disagree with her. I don't know if this is true to Stephanie. It just feels so outside of who she is understanding that she's had that Stephanie glow. I think it, yeah, I think that's so accurate. I mean, I think that her sort of disappointing me in group scenarios is more interest makes her more interesting yes, because it 100%. because even because I expected more from her so now I'm like mm-hmm. oh you're not even holding your best friend like you're who if you don't hold her accountable then none of these women will which of course is what we've seen but the confessional thing is a great point I mean I think that is that really who she is I have to assume my assumption is that she is feeling like the star of the show now. And therefore I think that she and Cam were positioned by the network to be like going into this season. It was like they were the stars and that was them against each other because Leanne was gone. No one likes Carrie um, and Deandra. And then Brandy was on the out. So I feel like it positioned them from that reunion on as like they were the two leads. They were at odds at the end of the season. And then the season started with the two of them, like getting back on good like footing and being friends. I think she feels super confident and I, it's not a great look, but like, I'm hoping that it will, maybe she'll see herself back and be like, okay, I need to rein it in. And like, maybe I should have been nicer to Tiffany, but I think she probably feels good, like confident at doing the show now. And there isn't this sort of threat of Leanne, who is a huge force mm. and really combative so negative. and like was a, was a favorite for the network. Now she knows that she's that person and she's like, I know how to do this show now. And I don't have to worry about being in conflict with Leanne and like dealing with that energy and I'm I'm running it like it's me and my best friend Brandy and like everyone else likes me so like great I'm gonna be kind of like nasty to the new girl in a fun way but like in confessionals and it's like oh I don't know I I don't know I'm kind of into it if it the reveal is that she's a mean girl I just don't know that she is if she's a mean girl then like let's see that but I think that I don't know I need to see more from Stephanie and Brandy's like dying I need to see more of them and this. I don't know. I need everyone to not just be against Deandra. I need it to be like a equal split in the group. I don't see Stephanie thinking like, oh, I'm the center Texas star horseshoe. You don't think so? Holder person. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is. And that could be that could be my blinders. That could be because I've like bought into. I just don't. I don't see that. I don't. I don't see it as I see that more from like fucking Carrie with a K who thinks she's God's gift because she won over Leanne than I do with Stephanie. Interesting. I don't even know if I see that with Deandra. I think Deandra, I think we did see that because remember we saw that weird argument on her, was it her first season or her second season where they were like, she and Leanne were like having an argument about. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. I meant this season. Yeah. yeah, But I I think that Deandra has been knocked down a few pegs and I think Mm -hmm. like also probably learned her position when her former best friend got fired and like then she was like really low on the totem pole opposed to when she felt like they were vying for the top spot now she's like oh my family money like my mom that's not helping me be the star got it okay Mm. yeah i don't know wow we talked so much about dallas i can't believe this is happening i thought we were just gonna do like a little what up fakakta tell me oh my god you're doing jazz hands sorry no i just i want you to like i want to talk about lisa barlow because i like i i'm so confused by okay so like i like loved actually the i thought that the salt lake city reunion has been interesting because i think that there has been time for all of these women it's everything is like year plus since they filmed and i think that i do worry a little bit about heather that she's like a little bit too aware of how she's doing everything but i feel like for the most part everybody is like has taken a breath and been like okay i'm here to do the thing 
Mary woke up. Her producer got in her ear and was like, you need to oh talk. My God. You need to Mary talk. Mary fucking killed it. But, killed it. But in the same way that Mary woke up, and I don't think she's a different character because she's still not making a lot of sense, but she has an mm-hmm. opinion and she's checking people mm-hmm. for coming for her, etc. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you wanted me to hold for that siren. <laughs> no, keep going. Are you kidding? I'm I just didn't know, so I wanted shit. to... Re- no, I love that dramatic... I, I thought... I took it as a dramatic pause and I am here for it. But like Lisa Barlow's... To me, she was really a non-character for the whole season, for, I would say. And when... I see her at the reunion. I don't think of like the same way that I feel like her producer was in her face and was like, you need to differentiate yourself from Meredith. You need to like Mm -hmm. speak up. You need to have an opinion, dig your heels in. If you need to talk whenever other people are talking, like all of those things that I think that producers tell their people at reunions, it's like Lisa's performance seems so performative. It doesn't feel like Mary who like woke up. It feels like Lisa is like suddenly a totally different character to me. And I'm like, why are you arguing with Mary, um, with Heather, Heather and and like Whitney the way you are? Why are you defending Jen so fiercely? Like you can be her friend, and I just feel like the performance. It feels. I mean, I'm into it because it feels like it sets up next season to be something, but it feels mm-hmm. disingenuous to the entire season. And I don't know. I also am confused the when I said that thing about like Heather and I feel like she's like so aware of what she's doing. It's like, I don't know why Heather was doubling down on like, you're a bad friend to Meredith by being friends with Jen. And, and Meredith was like, I don't feel that way. And then like Heather kept saying it and was like, well, that's how I feel about your friendship. And Lisa was like, stop it. And then like Andy was like, okay, break. And then they kept going. And I was like, <laughs> shut up. And I was, I was like annoyed by it. And I was like, Heather's trying so hard to be like, to me, Heather is trying so hard to be a, um, like a moral center because I think she knows that Mm -hmm. people responded to her being sort of regular and being quote unquote Mm -hmm. voice of reason that I was like, you don't have skin in this game, Heather. Like you can be Meredith's friend and think that Lisa's a shitty friend, but also like, why are you yelling at, or why are you arguing with Lisa about it? And then Lisa's reaction was like so insane. I don't want to say insane. It was so wild because it was so over the top that I was like, what is happening? Um, I, I don't know. Um, so I think that Jen had a real bad season. She was acting a fool. She saw that nobody agreed with her online. So she came into the reunion and was like, let me shut the fuck up and punt to Lisa, who I have some sort of alliance with. We tried to market ourselves as a team. It fizzled i didn't realize so now, that because i guess i don't follow them so like i didn't know that and that i'm was, not on twitter yeah, like, so i didn't I, like, know that didn't was a dynamic that they jaleesa had or something it was like literally I, the last episode was the first time we ever saw that they had like a quote-unquote thing but i think that that had been happening in real time and heather who had been sort of targeted by jen who also targeted whitney and has not yet actually apologized for that behavior had been targeted by them pretty heavily and is looking at Lisa, who all of a sudden is very strongly defending Jen and is wondering why Lisa is defending Jen, 
who is the one who came for Lisa's best friend, Meredith, and did so in a way to raise questions about her family, specifically to hurt her for revenge because she was pissed and wanted to make her friend feel bad. And so Heather is looking at Lisa and being like, you are standing so strong for this person who behaved terribly during filming, and you're not seeing that one of her primary targets is this woman who is your genuine, really good friend. And I think Lisa was like, shut the fuck up. Like, I think she's spending a lot. I totally agree with that point. I just think that, like, Heather's caring too much since Meredith seems to not, you know? Like, to me, that's not fun to watch somebody scream back and forth when, like, the other Mm -hmm. person. It's not like Meredith is not there. And so Heather's like, that's my friend, and I don't like the way you're treating her. And I thought you guys Mm -hmm. were real best friends. Like, Meredith is two seats over, and she's like, I'm not listening to you. She actually said, I wasn't listening, which, like, makes me laugh because I love Meredith. She is my favorite. She's so ridiculous. (laughs) She's so important. She's She's so important to the show. I'm not joking. I love her so much. It's so special because – I don't know how it like sustains itself, but like a, a housewife who doesn't seem who doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they need the show is a really a breath of fresh air when you have people like mm-hmm. Jen and Heather and Lisa and Whitney that are all doing work. It's like mm-hmm. Meredith doesn't care, and she seems like she doesn't like quote unquote need the show. Obviously, she wants to be there, but whatever. Yeah, I think that that was what was like irritating to me that I was like Meredith's there and she can speak up for herself if she feels, but she literally is saying I don't feel. And then Meredith and then Heather just kept being like, "Well, that's how I feel about your friendship." And I was like, "All right," but anyway, it's Lisa for me was just too much. I feel like Heather is has gotten a lot of public raves, praise, support, whatever, and in a way that she has been purposefully shamed by her community, her maybe her ex-husband's family, whatever else, she didn't feel like her voice carried value. Now she's in a position where being um down to earth or or you know standing up to friends regardless of whether or not they deserve it whatever else she is being praised and supported and amplified in great number by the bravo community and i think she has taken that and i don't feel like she's like you know smelled the salts too long i take it as she feels now for the first time that her opinion could be correct. Like mm-hmm. people might agree with her. She's not going to be isolated or um, harmed or divorced or whatever else. If she yeah. decides to change her mind about something or voice her opinion and she's harnessing that. And I think she's doing it in a way that maybe isn't necessarily in her best interest when it comes to defending someone who's not asking for the defense and doesn't even, isn't even literally paying attention to the formulation of it, which is so good guys like get on board, engage, engage with the disengage to say I'm disengaging. Is that not like one of the best things you could do for self-care is to literally disengage from things that do not matter to you in your world? I just I love it. But I feel like Heather, I get her perspective. I also get Lisa's who's probably gotten a ton of fucking shit DMs from people crazy shit throughout the season from people who disagree with her. So they want to tell her she's a terrible person, mm-hmm. a connective thread. I will never understand yeah. Um, when it comes to trying to shame people online. Um, I just think that, you know, these are two women who 
are refusing to hear each other, who are yelling at people, explaining to them why it matters that they listen a little bit, like to acknowledge that you have a hand in this really unhealthy dynamic where you're just yelling at each other, regardless of whether or not you're speaking the truth. Like Whitney at one point saying like, you have to, ideally you embrace that this is a relationship that both of you are participating in when it comes to not listening, behaving in a manner that one might pretend is toxic or, or suspect is toxic, whatever else. And Lisa like snaps at her and is like, essentially go fuck yourself. Like, no, I'm not listening. But like, you can't even listen to the person who's trying to as a middleman, which you could find suspect because it's, you know, um, the ally of this woman that you're not currently getting along with. But regardless, it's I get Heather's perspective. I honestly get Lisa's too. It just so happens that I disagree with it. Like Lisa is unwilling. Lisa has in her mind melded together holding a friend accountable with isolating, dropping them and, uh, 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 you know, painting them as like someone who's inherently wrong and that's tough i mean she's made lisa has made the reunion something different and it and has set i think the show up for a great season too i do need Mm -hmm. to understand where meredith and lisa really stand because according to meredith who is really not paying attention like they're fine but i also do i don't think they're i think it's weird that meredith doesn't like feel away but you know Mm -hmm. maybe she's choosing not to right now and then maybe will suddenly address it like when they start i mean i don't know if they've started filming season two or what i think it would be helpful if meredith actually said like instead of this whole like if you talk about my family you're not my friend like you need to specifically say something to jen because heather's saying something on your behalf And you not acknowledging that you agree with what Heather is saying makes me feel like you're not, I mean, you're, you're not, you're like quite literally disengaging, like engage with this one point. And maybe you will in the next episode when it's the husbands in person and on screen, when we're talking about like this Seth stuff, like maybe you will a little, but it feels like Jen's getting away with a whole hell of a lot. And Lisa's now carrying her water. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's. How do you you think Jen has. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 you didn't at all. I, I'm, I'm wondering how Jen was able to, I mean, she seems like a reactionary person, and I think that is what makes her a really interesting character, but also can be a really frustrating and has been a frustrating person to watch this past season. But, like, how do you think she's decided to, like, how do you think she's reined it in? Because I feel like she wants to respond, but, like, watching Mary, who really got no words in edgewise with any arguments with Jen the whole mm-hmm. season, really be like, stop. Or be like, don't talk to me. Or be like, um, great, apologize, but like, I won't accept it the way you just you didn't accept mine. Like all of those things, I can't believe Jen just like laughs at Andy. And I like, I think I don't think I think it is a good look that she's like sort of taking all of the criticism and judgments in stride. But like, how is she doing it? Like, how is that the same person? Do you remember when Vicky showed up to the reunion where it was like the actual reveal of Cancergate and everything else and everyone knew that she was lying and probably a participant and by probably I mean absolutely 100%. Yeah. And she had like taken a half of a Valium or something and she did so so that she wasn't actually going to be yep, 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 physically yep. or emotionally present when she knew that she was Phaedra going to get dragged. Phaedra did the same thing. 
Phaedra did 100% the same thing. And it's like, I'm not saying that Phaedra or Jen, and who even knows what Vicky did. I'm not saying that there was like actual literal medication there. But I am saying that there is a way that a person can disconnect so fully in order to protect oftentimes their terrible opinions and behavior where it looks like they're taking accountability, but they're actually forcing themselves to stay mute. And that's what, when I look at Jen, I do not believe her when she's just like taking it in. I think she has decided because she has seen that totally waves of negative reaction that have come from her behavior, which this season I think have been like horrifying and spectacular all at once. Spectacular for us as a viewer, horrifying if I was one of those people in that scene. And I think she's just getting through it, but I have no idea who she currently is as a person. I think we're going to get more of it part three because we're going to see Coach Shaw and like hear a little bit more about that. But, you know, I don't I don't know who Jen is pretending to be right now or is portraying herself to be. But I feel like it's not necessarily somebody taking accountability for their behavior. I really, I just honestly, I don't know what to do with Jen. What I do know is it's like a little bit of an, a light LOL. It's an LOL junior when I just watch her kind of take a backseat to this because it does feel like through Lisa being like, I'm not going to, you know, uh, kick my friend to the curb just because they behaved in a manner that's really reprehensible several times and don't seem to really be taking genuine accountability and have tried to gaslight that now all of this is the spotlight is now on Lisa in a way where, yeah, it's sort of proving Heather's point a little bit. Like, is this person worthy of the strong defense that you're taking but also, like, what what is Jen going to do? I don't I don't know. the The way that Jen has behaved online is like not good. It's genuinely not good. And her pretending that she hasn't done this, I don't know if that's because someone else is doing parts of her social, is like completely strange to me. She, whether or not you post something versus liking something. I get the nuance there, but you're still participating in it. So if someone is saying Brooks is a piece of shit. And Meredith's like, you posted it, but it's really you like to tweet. I mean, you are still participating in this cycle. So let us not pretend that you have not taken some strong turns on social that affect your relationships with people. I mean, she did apologize to Mm -hmm. Mary and she apologized Mm -hmm. to. Did she apologize to Heather or Meredith? She apologized to Heather sort of about like I don't remember about like getting drunk at the uh, flapper 1920s party. Oh yeah, in a it really, was a really passive like, aggressive way that didn't again didn't feel it genuine. didn't carry water. Yeah. Um and then she apologized to Mary once mm-hmm. Andy Which was felt like more genuine. Yeah, yeah, and that felt more genuine. I think that she also expected the world and I think that mm-hmm. some of the world did, but I think she thought the world was going to agree with her in all of her conflicts with Mary um, because of like the hospital stuff and because of like the race stuff. I think she thought everything is stacked against Mary, who's a kookaloo. And now I think, and I think that Mary showed up. And I also think that people have responded not to say like they love Mary and think she's relatable necessarily, but I think that they think she's a fascinating character and maybe more fascinating than Jen, who's like trying so hard, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that, the women, I'm into all of them returning. I think that it would be another person would be interesting. Somebody who 
I would love another I would love another black woman to honestly to talk to Mary about some of her race stuff. I think that mm-hmm. Jen thinks she's able to talk about that stuff with Mary. And I think that I, I'm saying this as a white person, but I don't think that just being a person of color gives you, you know, authority to talk to a black woman about her blackness, you know? And I think that Mary seems to have some class stuff and some anti-blackness like in her bones. But I think telling that to a person that on television who doesn't like you isn't a great, isn't like, there's no conversation happening. So I don't know how many, you know, black women are are in Salt Lake City who want to be on Real Housewives, but I would love to see another black woman in the group to talk to um, Mary, because I feel like that is interesting to me, but Jen is not the person to have that conversation with Mary. Yeah, I think it's Jen is not a black woman, so she can't speak to the experience of being a black woman, which is something uh, that I have learned and grown from after the episode that you and I recorded together when I got some amazing insight from um, black Bravoholics who were like, here's my perspective of why uh, Jen is not in a position to speak to Mary about the experiences of being black. Like you, Yeah. And, and it, it's like, I don't know, it, when navigating that conversation, again, as a white woman... I don't I don't necessarily like no disrespect, but like white Bravo fans who are talking about this stuff online. It's like, I don't really care about your opinion. I don't I I, I really, truly don't care. I want to hear the opinions of black AGs, black Bravo holics who are watching this dynamic, who have different experiences and and will have different opinions, but have their voices matter in this I just don't think that anyone else is due when it comes to what Jen has accused Mary of and Mary's response I also you know think at the end of the day that if they were real friends um or 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 friendly co-workers and there was a conversation that offered more grace like you know like our sons are black men you know like etc mm-hmm. etc et or like my husband's dark skin you know or browner skin you know, how do you think that makes me feel? Like, if there was a conversation, not that that needs to be the conversation. Jen can be annoyed. I just don't think she's the person to try to have this nuanced conversation with a black woman. Um, so, sort of in the same vein, what do you think, like, that teaser for next reunion when Heather is, like, doubling down on being, on saying that Jen is aggressive and, and Jen's like, you shouldn't say a woman of color? And do you think it's taken out of context or do you think it's as icky as it might be? I think it's going to be as icky as it might be. And I think it's 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 similar to what happened with Ashley on Potomac, where there is like the missed connection of of understanding the ways in which certain words just genuinely should not be used when speaking about black women or women of color. And I think the word it was the word aggressive right yeah, was that the aggressive. word just shouldn't be used and it's something again that some of us have learned by listening to other people and something in a in a, a position where i found really helpful to hear like dr wendy's perspective on all of this and it doesn't mean that the description of that behavior didn't happen it doesn't mean that you're okaying that behavior what it means is there are words that just are weighted differently when used against 
women of color and specifically, you know, black women. And Jen is not a black woman, but she is a woman of color. And so just don't use the word. It just, you just don't use the word. You come up with a different word. And if you don't understand that, as I didn't watching the Potomac reunion at first, it's like, okay, well, you know, listen to some other people who, who have information and experiences that matter, um, more than yours in that dynamic it's just if you are a white woman and a woman of color is telling you that that word has been uh, that word is triggering and has been used against um people of color and black women you just you should just shouldn't use it It, that's just as simple as it is use a different word use reactive use something else just don't use the word aggressive doesn't mean that the behavior was okay it just means use another word I don't know. I'm taking a dramatic pause. No, I was just thinking like I could talk about this again forever, but we haven't even talked about I forgot New Jersey premiered. I forgot Atlanta was on. There's so much. There's too I much. mean, shout out to Atlanta. I I think I'm going to have some thoughts, but I honestly think that they're going to happen more after we watch whatever's happening with Bolo is the gentleman's name tomorrow. We're recording right, this he's on like Saturday. An person. Um, do you good for him? Do you know, do you have an opinion or th- any thoughts about sort of like there's like a a collection of friends this season even some that haven't been like Fallon showed up and they were like hey Fallon and I was like did we get introduced to her do you have any thoughts about like these women and the friends um I do have a satchel of gold that I'm just remembering that uh is related to that a little bit from Ben in Pittsburgh who says hi Sarah I love your pod so 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 much but I'll make this quick why are there 10 ladies on the Atlanta cast trip, but only five peach holders? Is Bravo trying to cut costs and not pay full-time salaries to these women stars? Never has any other franchise franchise have so many friends that propel story and only have five, that's five, actual full-time cast members. Please make it make sense so I don't think it's a devaluation of the women of this cast by Bravo and by that I mean not playing not paying black women fair wage Mm. I may not have been graceful writing this because I've been drinking so edit the points as you see fit xoxo (laughs) Ben shout out to Ben I think that do you mind if I respond go for it I think in my opinion I think that what I like you know every city is different and I sort of love that like Atlanta has become sort of always has had like Marlo and Shamia and then Tanya and there have been like Tammy who's you know nephew came to Florida and you know mm-hmm. um I like that there has been um a lot of friends and that universe has really been built out and I think Beverly Hills does too that are a lot of them are like former housewives um so I don't mind the, the friends because I think that it, like it gives that city and that franchise an identity that's like different than say like New York which like doesn't really have any friends or Potomac which you know, has like Katie Rost or whatever, but I shout think, out Charisse. I oh, I love her so much. Um, I do think it's interesting though. I think. Do you think some of it is tied up in the Nini of it all? Like they were, they didn't have, they didn't know if there were enough moving pieces as far as drama, and so they were testing lots of women, and then those women all stuck around longer than maybe they would have. Like I feel like usually they test new women, then they start filming with with people together, and I wonder if like they were testing. Fallon and Latoya and there's another friend with like an whose name starts with an A who's like quote unquote Porsche's friend but also Shamia's in the mix this season and has um confessionals and then there's Tanya and Marlo so like there's like six women um I don't know if 
they were like, okay, Drew's the full time, but maybe we'll keep everyone around and just see if anybody else pops. I'm not sure. I don't know. And I don't know how much of this plays into the fact that do not because of she not because of anything that she did wrong, but because Drew's husband's parent died, Drew had to leave to go to that funeral and as a result had to quarantine before and after. So she missed, I assume, two weeks before the time that she was away and then two weeks or however long she quarantined and got tested when she came back. And I'm thinking that they were probably building other friends of into at least those scene dynamics, knowing that Drew was going to have to like silo film in her household and whatever else, which is its own can of Michigas. And I also think that because of COVID, maybe they were thinking like the more the merrier with some of this stuff. And if somebody got sick that they would have like sort of backups, like like Latoya's here in case, you know, I don't think it was a sick thing. I don't think it had anything to do with people actually getting sick because that would make me feel very uncomfortable. And also, I don't see that exemplified on any other franchise. I don't think it had to do with anything because I think they're also pretending that they're, you know, abiding by safety guidelines because they're wearing a visor now and then. So it's like, I don't know. I don't think that that my opinion personally is that that doesn't play into this dynamic. Um uh and would make me kind of question production if it did but i don't think it does i I just think it's like they're shooting to the moon a little bit when it comes to like actual fair wages i think that's um and the deep potential devaluation of these women by not giving some of them their due peaches and i'm looking directly at marlo hampton who is like giving us literally everything why isn't she holding a peach um or why aren't they being more honest about why she's not holding a peach? I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for it. You were going to say something about Fallon. Like, why is Fallon there? Well, I, I don't know why Fallon is there. I don't think we were really introduced to her ever. And that is what is confusing. When, like, someone shows up and it says, like, so-and-so's friend. Mm-hmm. I feel like usually people get introductions. Like, I met Latoya at such and such. And she's my new friend. And now she's coming over with oysters. And I'm going to introduce Cynthia to her or whatever, you know. And I think that when, like, Fallon shows up at a trip and they're like, Fallon, hey. And she's like, I'm staying next to her with my husband. I'm like, who are you? Like, nobody mm-hmm. addressed. And then Candy on Watch What Happens Live was like, you got to stay tuned. This whole thing happens with Fallon. And I was like, "Are my, did I miss the moment where she was, like, established as a character in the story that I'm watching? Um, this is a tangent. I mean, just an aside, though. Like, I really am surprised that I'm enjoying Drew as much as I am. I feel like... The, it's a it's a shame that she had to like bow out it's a shame that you know that they lost her in-law that her in-law passed but she I think it's like interesting to the dynamic and also is sort of for the first time in Atlanta like think like I feel like her and Latoya like their stuff feels interesting and it's not like layered in like Kenya or Nini stuff it's like they mm-hmm. have their own stuff and I also liked that she and Portia had a moment where she was like, listen, I'm not into everybody acting like Kenya's behavior last night was cool all of a sudden now that she's in a better mood. So I just am into Drew. I'm into her thus far. And I her husband seems terrible, but I'm like interested in that story because what is their relationship, you know? And like Yeah, I think that it had we been properly introduced to Drew, at least in the dynamics of the group, which we're only now getting yeah. before we got all this stuff with Ralph, it would have been a little bit uh it would have helped her it would have helped her in her introduction to housewives to us to the other women and all of those dynamics it 
and again this was no nobody's fault it just so happens that because of this unfortunate passing and because of COVID and everything else that didn't come to pass but we're getting it now and I think she's great like I'm still not over the autograph I think that that was fucking hilarious the way she did it was great also the way that she's like standing up to Kenya um better than some of Kenya's friends are um good for her like I'm I Kenya's kind of a mess right now and has been a shitty host and cannot talk to women about the challenges of being a single mother when like several of them have been or are currently single parents like that's that's tough when you are telling someone they don't understand your experience and they have experienced an experience maybe not your specific one but you don't tell someone that they don't know how difficult it is to be a single mother when they are a single parent or uh navigating a separation or soon on that or have in the past like that's difficult and also like when candy says something everyone should shut the fuck up and listen like the fact that kenya doesn't value her and also did not give enough money to her charitable endeavor is very annoying to me and i look forward to seeing that playing out on the reunion but i have to say oh tell me what you're looking at me you're giving me face um no i totally agree with that all Teresa, Jackie, Gia, and Evan. My God. Like, so I just have to say I'm like, I was one of the last people to see it in that I watched it live with everybody because I had several um, friends who had screeners I did not watch in advance. And so I had heard something Yada, yada, yada. So crazy. Gia. And I didn't have any context. So what I thought was going to happen at the end of the episode, even though this doesn't make any sense, is I thought Jackie was going to somehow accuse Gia of helping with that rumor or maybe like Gia was working out at a gym or something. And Gia is the one that told Teresa. So I was super unprepared for what actually happened, which was like mouth agape. Interesting. Okay, so tell me how you feel about. I feel like it's. I feel like Teresa's pulling this out of her ass. It's coming from a place of jealousy or something else. She's trying to reset narrative where finally it's not her family or her husband who's fucked up. It's somebody else's. She none of the actual details of the rumor of which there aren't any make sense. I find it very suspicious that she's specifically saying Jim and not saying women or anything else i think she's dangling carrots that feel to me very dangerous i said that on i was in my first clubhouse panel yesterday with an amazing group of people and said that at one point and um uh, some folks responded back and they were like we don't see it and also teresa's not that smart I was gonna say and that. i i completely understand that perspective as well it just to me feels very suspicious that she's using the phrase Jim and whatever he's doing there and is dancing around something without getting any detail. And I think a part of that is because this is all a lie. And I think a part of that is also she's dancing around some stuff that I think is not great. I think I agree that. Oh, Damien got a um, foster puppy whose name is Sarah. And I think it's so sweet that you named her after me in honor of the 200th episode. And listen, we're both bitches. So there we go. Just um, kidding. Her name is Bethany Frankel. Um, <laughs> so I agree that I think I agree with her pulling out 
out of her ass. Although she was drunk and I don't know how, I don't think she's smart enough sober, let alone drunk to be so intentional and strategic, but it just seems unfounded in her refusal to acknowledge where the information comes from is totally reminiscent of Kim D. I was so grateful for the flashback. I'm grateful that the show Mm -hmm. isn't trying to give Teresa a better edit than she deserves Mm -hmm. um, because it was totally reminiscent of her own freak out on Kim. Um, But I don't know. I, I wasn't sure the way you started this. I wasn't sure if you were trying to say that you thought Jackie was totally out of line for the comparison of like I I've heard quote unquote this rumor which like mm-hmm. maybe was a real DM that she got or somebody told her and also or maybe it was something she was totally inventing but like she was just making a comparison and Teresa now like I'm so t- I Teresa is so dumb it's so hard to r- ever root for her because she's so not smart and so reactive and so therefore it's like her being like you're a fnc and then like leaves and like and then Mar- margaret's like wait what happened oh wait <laughs> margaret was so kids good. should never be it. kids should never be brought up and i was like yes but also like jackie's husband and their kids it, like ja- talking about jackie's marriage by proxy affects her minor children your kid is maybe over 18 and has been on the show since she was two. Like, don't, let's not try to like, like don't bring up her marriage and try to like plant seeds about it and be like, where there's smoke, there's fire. Also, she went around to everybody in the cast and did it. I was like, how? She literally did it 15 times. I was like, how? She's like, everybody's talking about it. And they're only talking about it because Teresa said to literally every single person. And like, nobody else took, nobody else took it. Like, not even her ally, um, Jen. So I feel like, Nobody else was like taking the bait to go with it. Everyone else was like, okay, maybe not, maybe not right here. Or, like, and, Meli- and Melissa was like, no, 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 no. So like, Ter- I was like, is Teresa wasted and just like is doing a good job of seeming not trashed? But I clearly she was. But like her reaction to Jackie saying that, I was like, okay, like listen, it is kind of gross to bring up a kid, but also this kid is an adult, and also she's just making a point, and your reaction kind of proves the point, which is like you're so bent out of shape now, but like you're, you're saying that my husband's cheating on me and that like my marriage is a sham. And Jackie has since said online and wherever else that there was no allegation of this with Gia. Gia has never been accused to Jackie's knowledge of anything having to do with any kind of drug use or anything else. She was truly bringing it up to say, here is what happens when I pull something out of my ass specifically to harm you. I do think she could have pulled something else out of her ass or referenced something having to do with Joe. Yep. She does make a valid point that she is pulling some of her, something out of her ass while like winking and saying, obviously that this is not real and I don't have any details and whatever else in comparison to what Teresa was actively trying to do, which was to say that there are rumors IRL truly of Evan cheating or doing whatever, wherever. So it's, you know, Jackie's using this as like a comparison example of a real genuine truth in the sense that like Teresa actually did do this to actively try to harm Jackie and her family and marriage and whatever else. I do think it's wild to have used Gia because when this happened, I instinctively as a physical response laughed my ass off because I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. This is not at all what I was expecting. What just happened? You're using Teresa's kid. This is like the one. Teresa is like a mama bear with her cubs. Like 
crazy. And then the very next thing I thought was, is this true? Which goes to show, I think, the power of saying these things on camera, which Teresa could learn from, also goes to show maybe don't use the kid. And also, when it comes to shaming, which is like the moral theme of today, a lot of gross people commented on Gia's posts and made, oh, you're doing coke in the bathroom, blah, 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 shit. I'm laughing because it's like absurd to me because like it's, it's absurd. Just, like, leave people her alone. Trash. She's a kid. None of those people. She's and she is a kid. And I'm sorry. I don't care if you're 18. Gia wasn't coming for anyone. And I look at her in the same way I look at um uh um oh my god I just literally forgot her name. Carrie with the K's child. Olivia, who we d- obviously don't know as much uh, as know as well rather. And I just think, like, these are kids who, when you introduce them into these very adult kind of conversations, I don't love it. This was obviously done without Gia's consent. And it was done as a imaginary example. And it shows Jackie's argument, the power of saying these things and people actually believing them. And it also shows Teresa's argument back, which is, like, don't involve the children. And I get what you're saying when it comes to Jackie's children were involved because this is harming her marriage and I agree with that but it wasn't like Teresa was specifically naming them and naming them against behavior and I just thought it was super wild and super crazy much like Potomac I'm team the table and I also (laughs) am like you know um team Margaret team Margaret like being like what happened with a Caribbean bottle I'm super team Margaret. I'm very team Lex. I have loved Margaret's assistant since day one. I love her voice. I, it fi- I find it very calming and very soothing. I'm dead ass serious. I love them. I love their dynamic together. But I do think like it's interesting how wild people are getting online. Ho- hopefully and fortunately not as crazy as people got during Potomac. But like Steve, aka um, Faces by Bravo, uh, is now using the emoji of a pumpkin for Team Jack O' Lantern versus <laughs> Team Tree, and nothing makes me feel more connected to the Bravo community than looking at an emoji of a tree and an emoji of a pumpkin and knowing immediately what's being discussed, <laughs> which I think is what our wonderful little language in this little world we call home. You know, it's interesting, starting the season, the first, ep- the beginning of the episode, I was, like, kind of confused what was happening. And then, you know, it starts, or the, it, re- mm-hmm. it rewinds three epi- three days before. And uh, all of this stuff was happening, and I was like, are we just this, are we just forgetting that the way season, the last season ended with Teresa, co- mm-hmm. like, co-signing Danielle's behavior, influencing Danielle's behavior, and mm-hmm. then really not being held accountable? I mean, we just watched Monique, in my opinion, really be dismissed for her arguments for her why about mm-hmm. her physical grilled. altercation absolutely and then so much so that she you know allegedly Left. quit but she's no mm-hmm. longer with the show Teresa was really let off scot-free in my opinion um Danielle was not I don't know if she quit fired whatever but Teresa was really not held accountable and then it wasn't brought up I was happy that they talked about it in relation to Margaret and Jackie and I was thinking is this the season in and it's go with my train of thought here. Like I was in, when I think about Drew and Latoya and the ways that maybe they will be pushed more to the forefront if this season goes well and the other women will be able to like kind of graduate to sort of being like the aunties. I wonder like, is this the time that Teresa will sort of finally be like a supporting character for a season where I don't need to watch her 
be the lead and be annoyed by her. But now she's the center of the drama. So like, even though it was like Jackie and Margaret being like, you're right, Margaret being like, you're right, Jacqueline. Like she's, or Jackie, she's been doing too much and like hasn't been held accountable and she's been mean and nasty and she's responsible in many ways for Danielle assaulting me. Now, like the way the end the episode ended, I was like, well, fucking a, now she's the center of the <laughs> argument. Like whether, because of the way it happened, the way the, her, con- her mm-hmm. confrontation with Jackie happened, it wasn't like Jackie and Margaret together being like, we're taking you down. It was like Jackie saying this th- thing that was so, inflammatory to Teresa that now that Teresa and Jackie are going to be at it. And I'm like, ugh. once again, another season of Teresa being the lead. I mean, at least it's with Jackie and not Melissa, but it's like, I'm so tired of Teresa being the lead of New Jersey. I need a season where she's like six banana. I don't know that that's ever going to, I don't know that that's going to happen while she's on New Jersey. I mean, I just don't know that if that's going to happen. I don't know. I just don't. I'm going to say over and over again a thousand times. I just honest because I honestly don't just honestly don't know if that's going to happen. It's never happened in like LVP was always center and, Be- and Bethany was always center. Like not necessarily literally, but just like of like the way the stories were yeah, shaped. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Nini had seasons where she was like sort of on the side, you know, and I think that uh, Candy has always been like an alpha, but has had plenty of seasons where she was not like center of the drama. So I don't know. It's just like give Teresa a season where she is allowed to be like the voice of reason or like Melissa's pal and give Melissa advice for Melissa being in the drama. The second she flipped the table, they flipped the script. And it's mm. ever since. You're right. It's You're been totally built right. around her from the introduction of her family without her knowledge and or approval through now. And I don't see that going away this season. I am curious because Jackie at one point said she stopped filming a couple days because she was so upset by something. And I don't know if that's going to come later in the season or if that happened was those three days during this because we didn't see her talking to Evan about it or anything else. We just saw her with that glittery Chanel, That's, like looking forlorn, for forlorn. I can't forlorn, forlorn. Yes, as she is, words are fun. As she's like leaving the kitchen to go conf- confront Tree. Like I'm wondering if that already happened or is happening. She has said um, that this literally was like the first night of filming when all of this took place. I don't in any way believe that alcohol was an influence at all for a single second with tree she walked in with a little nugget that had been given to her or to me most apparently had made up created whatever and decided to distribute it to as many people as she possibly could and is now trying to pretend that that distribution is an example of why she needed to say it because people are talking about it because i told people about it because i made up this thing yeah and because i'm dating now and I'm seeing people and some of those people, it turns out, are married. It just makes me feel like that's connected because that's also a thing that happened. So because that happened, that makes me think that maybe this is happening. But regardless of whether or not it's true or not, and I don't have any details or information, and I don't have any names. I just feel like I absolutely must talk about this. And the weird, the I don't know if it's weird, but the wild thing to me is Jackie has also said she doesn't think it was fed to tree in any way by production. She she thinks that production was shocked about this genuinely. It was like, I don't think, you know, she she was like, I think that everybody was taken aback by this. I don't know how much of that I believe, but I, I don't think production fed this to tree. I think that this wasn't tree, like Bethany with the Tom pictures. 
Right. I think that something in Tree's corner happened. Maybe it was with her team. Maybe it was with a friend of hers who was like, how are you going to get back at her? Or like, what if you said this thing? Or Evan's really attractive. How could he not have stepped out or whatever else? And it just became whatever monstrous accusation she's been running with since. I think it's really interesting what you said about Jackie taking time off. And I wonder if that was like those, the quote unquote, free days that Mm -hmm. there was a gap because... I felt like it was disappointing to not see Jackie find out what happened on camera. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's the friend? Is the friend like a real friend who overheard this happen at the party? And it was like, I need to tell you this. Or was it like a producer who told her and she flipped the fuck out and was like, I'm not filming and do I'm quitting this show. Like, this is my fucking marriage. And then obviously got talked off a ledge probably and was like, listen, you, the only way to write it is by filming. Mm-hmm. And so then she came back to it. But I wish that we had seen that. Like, I wish that it was a producer we saw it. Because to see Jackie hear, hear that, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe they do have it, but maybe out of respect for, like, Evan, because maybe he flipped out or something. I don't know. But I just, I wonder what happened. That's great. I didn't know she said that because, you know, I don't, don't follow anybody except Candy. Um, so I don't see any, <laughs> I, I don't see any of the drama unless somebody else tells it to me or, like, it gets retweeted into my timeline or my, inst- my discovery on Instagram. I think I had heard it previously on a Zoom that we had had with cast members. Like it might have been a Halloween thing with um, Bravo celebrities in the fall. But she that she did also say it on a Clubhouse with which guys got to follow me on Clubhouse. Um, so much fun with uh, I think it was Kate Casey. It must have been Kate Casey, friend of the pod. Um, shout out Kate who uh, has been having some really fascinating long form conversations with various housewives on clubhouse and had one with Jackie where Jackie was like, yeah, I had to take a couple days off. I think she also said it then. Um, I mean more to come, you know, team the table, but also team Jackie, totally but like also, Jackie. <laughs> but like, you know, just in time for um, Halloween 2021, I guess I am adding a pumpkin emoji to my IG handle. Damien Bellino, I could talk to you forever and ever. Amen. But we don't have forever and ever. Amen. We've got like a solid couple seconds. Left. <laughs> Can you tell the AGs and happy birthday, by the way? Oh, thank you. Um, to be 26 and happy Can't wait. and happy birthday to ag and to you um it's uh really exciting so um thanks for having me and uh y'all can find me um on all the things at damian bellino that's twitter instagram clubhouse which i've never had been on once i think um you can find me <laughs> on all those things so um find me it's damian with an a and guys uh patreon new episodes went up this week with alex Zaragoza from vice Bonjour, Beth, bonjour, bitches. Amanda from It's All Happening. I just put up a one-hour episode of Papa Bavio where I listened to the first episode of AG. So the number one way to support me and the pod and Andy Scrolls, patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. The OG of the AG level uh, gets exclusive access to our upcoming Galley Tines Zoom Kiki this Thursday, February 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So look for that. 
on patreon.com slash Andy's girls. And again, that's an exclusive zoom Kiki event with fellow AGs where we are going to mention it all. Um, in lieu of a small business satchel this week, guys, I'm going to put some information and organizations in the show notes for this week's episode of organizations in Texas that you can help um, as unfortunately millions of uh, Texans are currently affected by this horrifying failure of I mean essentially everybody in government power and um, it's just really shocking and deeply upsetting to see what's coming out of Texas so please support those organizations that I'll link in show notes below and um oh yeah follow me on instagram <laughs> what a great transition instagram at dame galley um og of the ag love you to bits thank you so much for episode 200 here's to a million more bye guys